And today we are continuing in our After God's Own Heart series, and I'm going to be preaching this one and one more, and then um, I'm going to be out of town in two weeks, and Pastor Tanya is going to join me in this series, and she's going to be wrapping it up for us, so we're excited about that. I told her, I said, I love joining together and doing sermon series together with other pastors. It makes it a little more enjoyable, the research uh, process and everything. So we're excited about that. But so far in this series, we have talked about David's unwavering faith in God. And that unwavering faith gave him the courage to face Goliath and countless other enemies because David knew that the battle was the Lord's. Amen. And so church, listen to me. Like I said during prayer time, whatever you're facing, understand that the Lord is there. He was there before you ever got there. He's there with you during it, and he's going to see you through. Amen. And so we need to have that unwavering faith whenever we face Goliath and we face the giants of life. We need to realize that God is in control, and he's going to see us through. Amen. And then last week, we talked about a courageous love for God. And David, oh church, David had a courageous love. He was willing to do whatever God wanted him to do. It didn't matter what it was. David looked right at God and said, all right, God, I'll do it. He faced enemies. He faced Goliath. He faced trials. He faced murder. He faced sin. But he always came back to God and said, I'm yours. And that courageous love, it fueled the unwavering faith. And when we see, when we read about David and his unwavering faith and courageous love, we would imagine that David was so spiritually mature that he would never fall away, right? We all, we, we all know people in our, and maybe it's in our own personal lives. I know I have, I was raised in church. I had a grandfather who was a pastor, a father who was a pastor. And so I have been to countless churches. I have met countless preachers. And I have met a few people in my life that I said they have such a strong faith and their love for God is so powerful that they would never fall. I have met a few people in my life like that. Have you guys ever met anyone like that? Yeah, most of you probably have, right? People that when you look at them, you think, I want to be like that. That's the type of Christian that I strive to be like. And I I sometimes say, if I could just be half the person that they are, I'd be golden, right? I want to be like that person. And so when we read stories like this, we we have to understand to, to to the nation of Israel, David was that guy. They looked at him and thought, man, he is, he is so spiritually mature, and, and he's never going to fall. And these people in our lives, we, we hold them to high esteem, right? We, we look at them and think, man, that, that's just a, that's a powerful Christian. They, they would never fall. We, we believe that they are next to perfect, that they would never sin or betray God. No, there's no way they would. And then, we, then we, we dive into our spiritual lives, and we, we pray, and we, we study Scripture, and we come to Bible study, and we do everything we can, and we only imagine the day that we develop an unwavering faith and a courageous love, and we think to ourselves, maybe one day, maybe one day, I'll be next to perfect, and we work and we strive for that. However, church, I want to tell you this morning, there is a, a simple truth that that we need to understand. And this is what it is. It comes down 
to a choice and a decision. Because we, we see these people who are, who are perfect, right? We think, man, that is a perfect Christian. That is somebody who, who they're never going to stumble. They're never going to fall. And man, I would love to be like them. But what we have to understand is they made the, the, the right decision. And it all comes down to us making the right choice and the right decision. You can have an amazing faith and, and a strong and powerful love, but it comes down to, listen to this, our willingness to make the right decision daily. Everyone put that down. Daily. You see, you can't become a Christian and then say, well, on, on Sunday I got saved, and so Monday I'm going to keep living the same life that I had been living in sin. No, you got every day. You can't say, well, preacher, I've attended church for 20 years. I've been tithing for 15 years. I've sat on the board. I've done everything right. Maybe I could take today off. Nope. This is a daily choice that we have to make. We have to wake up every single day and say, I'm going to make the right decision. And you might be thinking, well, what are my choices, Pastor? Well, it's quite simple, church. I, I have maybe, maybe, other, maybe some theologians and other pastors will, will criticize me for this, but I think that sometimes we overcomplicate our faith. Um, I think sometimes we might overcomplicate our Christianity where we make it so complicated that, that people just don't understand how to do it, which I, I think that we sometimes overcomplicate it. And I'll make it real simple for you. You ready for this? Every day you have a choice between either waking up, serving God, and walking with Him, or falling to temptation and sin. It's as simple as that. No more complicated, no more extreme. It's as simple as waking up, getting out of bed, putting your feet on the ground, and saying, today, I'm going to serve the Lord. Today, I'm going to make the decision to walk with Him. Today, I'm going to refuse sin. Today, I am God's. Well, preacher, 20 years ago, I accepted. You're right, absolutely, but you still got to make the choice every day. And here's the deal. You ready for this? Well, preacher, I come from, and you hear me say, right, I come from a pastor's family. That don't matter. Not in the least bit. I got to make that choice. I have to make that decision. Well, preacher, my grandfather helped build the church. It no, doesn't matter. Churches, it's your decision, guys. The decision to wake up every single day and say, I'm going to walk with the Lord, that is your decision. God's not going to make it for you. Your spouse can't make it for you. Your parents can't make it for you. Your children, your bosses, your teachers, your mentors, your pastor, we can't make it for you guys. You have to wake up every day make the decision to say, I'm going to walk with the Lord. I'm going to grow spiritually. I'm going to grow deeper in my relationship with him, and nothing will pull me away from it. The decision's ours, and so as we dive into Scripture now, I want, I want to ask you, what decision are you going to make, church? What decision are we going to choose? Am I going to walk in sin today, or am I going to live for God? And I, like, like I said, you may be thinking, Pastor, I accepted Jesus. I'm good. Yes, friends, but listen up. Our relationship with God, it requires us to put in some effort. Did you know that? 
It requires us to actually make an effort. We have to be intentional about our relationship with God. We can't just come to church one time a week for maybe an hour, hour and a half, depending on how long the preacher preaches. We can't just come to church once a week and say, I'm good, and live however we want throughout the week. No, we have to be very intentional about our relationship with God. This right here is not our relationship with God. Did you guys know that? This is important. Hebrews talks about that. Don't stop meeting together. This is important. This is where we come and we study together and we recharge each other's batteries. But our relationship with God, our individual relationships have to be intentional. We have to be consistent with it. Every day I have to wake up and say, I'm going to make the right decisions today and I'm going to walk with the Lord. I read a story this week that was told by another pastor about a lady who was attending his church, a devout Christian. I mean, she was, she was a strong, powerful Christian. She volunteered and she helped. And some years she would serve on the board and she would always bring things to the potluck dinner. She, the pastor knew if he called her, she was going to be there. And she was always at the Bible studies and she led Sundays when she did everything she could to be the strongest, most devout Christian that she could. However, her husband, on the other hand, refused to come to church and she said, it's nothing but just a bunch of garbage. But she was devout, and she was willing. But it caused a lot of conflict in their marriage, a lot of conflict. And he accused her of not wanting to be with him because of how much time he, she spent at church. And so he would accuse her, you just don't want to be with me. You just don't want to be with me. You don't want to do, you're always there. You're always doing something for the church. And we could have two days together throughout the weekend where we just spent all day together, but you refuse to do that because you have to go to church, he would say. And so finally, one Sunday, he said, why don't we take a trip together? Why not this weekend we take a trip and you just skip church and we just, you just take some time off and see it from my perspective. He says, we could have a better relationship if you would just spend more time with me. And so here she was. She was at a crossroads. She was at a fork in the road. Either continue going to church or start skipping church. When the pastor told the story, he worked with her for a couple years, and he said she made the decision to skip church, and she hasn't stepped foot back in it for 10 years. 10 years, she has not stepped foot back in church. One decision, guys. And the sad reality is, as I was reading, reading um, his illustrations and his stories, he said the sad truth is the husband is still not a Christian. The husband still does not go to church. And now, neither does she. A woman who had spent years in church doing everything she could to pray for her husband to get him in church, well, now he's not in church and neither is she. It's a daily choice that we have to make. And in my opinion, that was a very unwise choice that she made because now she's not in church and so he's definitely not going to see the importance of it. Ten years, she has not stepped foot back in church. And so I ask you this question, why are daily decisions so important? Well, it's very simple. They lead us on the next step of our journey. The decisions that we make today are going to take us in one of two directions, church. They decide the decisions that you and I make right now lead us on the next step of our journey. And my question for you is, what decision are you going to make right now? Go with me to 2 Samuel chapter 12. 
2 Samuel chapter 12, or chapter 11, if you want to get the full, full scope of the story. In chapter 11, David is now king. And the story that we're about to talk about is, is a very common story, but I want to tell you, the, kind of give you the, 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 the broad scope of it. It's between David and Bathsheba. And David and Bathsheba, this story is kind of a, a tough story to talk about because it's a story of sin. It's a story of bloodshed. It's a story of pain, a story of regret, a story of fear, a story of death, and a story of suffering. And you might be thinking, well, pastor, that's very grim and very dark. You said earlier we're celebrating. You're right, we are celebrating. However, sometimes people make bad decisions. And all of these things, the pain, the suffering, the death, the regret, the sin, all happen, church, because of one decision. All of that, everything that we're about to study came down to one decision that King David made. Everything that happened in this story could have been prevented if he made the right decision. But as we know, hindsight's 2020, and we know that he did not make the right decision. And each time I read this story, church, I am, I'll be honest with you. I've said it many times. I, I like to put myself into the context. I, wanna, I really want to just dive in. I don't want to read it just as some bedtime story. I want to know what was happening in this story. So, so I try to put myself into the story, and I like to read different translations, and I like to, to really dive into it. And the more I read this and the more I study this, the more that I am torn by the selfishness of King David. You want to know why? Because we have seen this time and time again by, by spiritual leaders. It seems like the, the most powerful men and women, these, these people that have such influence for, the, for God and the kingdom, make one selfish decision and lead hundreds away. And so when we read it in that context, King David had, this, had so much influence. I am torn by the fact that he made one decision, a very selfish decision that has made an impact on his life the way that it did and the life of others. And so as the story goes, I'm going to quickly summarize. David sent his armies out to war, as it says that they often did, but this time he stayed behind. And one night, he's on the rooftop, and the scripture says he, he was restless, and so he got up and he started walking the rooftop, and I can only imagine what was going on in his mind because, you know, he sent his armies out to war and, and here he is the king of a nation. And so he's, he's probably very restless thinking about all of his soldiers and his generals and his officers. And he's thinking about his people that he has to care for. So he's probably very troubled, very, very distraught. And he's walking around and all of a sudden, oh my goodness, there she is. So he's walking around on his rooftop and he looks down. Oh my. There she is, the woman. The story says she was bathing. And so David stops and he observes. And there she is. And church, you ready for this? Here's the choice. David has now come to the choice. The temptation hits him. Do I go back to bed or do I call for her? 
It's the temptation. It's the choice. Go back to the choice that I mentioned earlier. Do I stay with God or do I fall to temptation? Like I said, it's not, it's not overly complicated, guys. Do I continue to walk with God? Do I turn around? I saw what I saw. Lord, forgive me for what I saw. I'm going to go back to bed and, and I'm just going to sleep it off. Or do I keep my lustful eyes on her, keep looking and eventually say, got to have it. It's the choice that we're, we're, we're given. It's the temptation. And, and, and so often we condemn David we belittle him. Oh, David, I can't believe you would do that. But, but the truth is, we've all been there, right? Yeah, everyone shake your head yes. Every one of us have been there. No, I'm, I'm, first off, preacher, I can't even walk on my roof. Well, listen, we've all been there in some form or another, right? I don't want you to leave here and be like, preacher just don't know what he's talking about. I can't even walk on my roof. No, no, listen, we, we've all been there, haven't we? Right? For David, Bathsheba was it. That was, that was the woman. We all have an it in our life. We all have something that we are tempted with. We all have something that when we look at it, it's not a quick glance and turn around. It's, I've got to have that. We all have that in our lives. And I don't know what your it is. I know what my it is. God has revealed that to me in my life. I don't know what your it is. I don't know what your temptation is. But what Satan likes to do, what the enemy likes to do is he takes your it. And so often we talk about the enemy, we, 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 we paint pictures of the devil, right? This red scaly guy with a forked tail and a big pitchfork. And ooh, he's a monster. He's scary. That's not how the enemy's going to come after you guys. You understand that, right? He's not the scary boogeyman in the closet. He's going to come at you and say, look how pretty I am. I mean, do you, do you think if that was a monster on the other rooftop bathing, David would have been like, I want that? No, he presented beauty to David. You see, church, the, the enemy is not going to come at you with your it, whatever it is, and say, look how ugly and grotesque this is. Ooh, I don't want that. He's going to come at you and say, you got to have this, and he's going to make it beautiful. He's going to make you want it. And then the choice is ours, guys. David had a choice that he had to make. Do I fall to my lustful desire or do I continue walking with God? It's the choice. So let me ask, what am I going to choose? What am I going to choose? You're presented with two options, the temptation or God. And let me tell you something. Scripture says you can't have both. You can't love the world and love God at the same time. You can't live in the world and live with God at the same time. Though the, though the culture wants to try to twist that right now, right? Our, our, our world is saying, no, you can have all this. and be, No, you cannot, church. We cannot love God and the world all at the same time. It's one or the other, and you've got to choose. You've got to make a choice. And so as we continue reading, the reality is the story of King David and Bathsheba is, is a real-life illustration of how godly people can be drawn away and enticed by their own evil desire. The sad truth is, though we want to condemn David, though we want to be mad at him, you were, you were a king, you had everything. We, we're not actually mad at David, right? We, we're not really condemning him. Do you know why this story bothers us? Right? Because he's, he, he's a man after God's own heart. He, he's, a, he's a man after God, and he's, he's defeated Goliath. And we think, how could, we, how could he do that? And we condemn him. Do you want to know why this story bothers us so bad? It's not because we're mad at David. It's because we see ourselves in him. 
That's why we don't like this story. That's why when preachers talk about, about adultery and, and, and sin and temptation, we, it makes us uncomfortable, right? It's like the preacher stuck uh, needles up through the pews. We don't like it, not because we're mad at David, but because we see ourselves in this story. Because we don't like it when our sins are brought to the forefront and God says, you've got to choose. You've got to quit riding the fence. You've got to make, you, you've got, the, the choice is here. You can't have both. And it makes us uncomfortable because we see ourselves in this story, right? And we don't like that. And so the reality is the same sin nature which led him astray has also led me astray. And that's a, hard, that's a hard reality to swallow, guys. And that's why this story makes us so uncomfortable. This isn't just a, a good, cool, that's a neat story, amen. No, church, this is reality. This happened, and it still happens today. We see people, Christians, fall to sin all the time, all because of one decision, and which brings us to the second point, the decision church. We're presented with the choice, so God or sin, and now comes down to the decision. And well, we know what David made, right? He made the decision to lay with her, and David was a man with many wives. David had everything that he could imagine. I mean, he was king. He was the most powerful man in the nation. He had everything he wanted, right? So when we, when we see these people in our current culture that have everything, and then we see them overdose on drugs, well, how could they do that? They had everything. Or we see, we see religious people who, who you know, they, they have a little more money than we do. We see, the, you know, they're making a good living, and all of a sudden they fall to sin. Well, how could they do that? They had everything, and then we see Christians in our own context where they just say, I don't, want to, I don't want it anymore, and they leave. The reality is, church, because of one choice and one decision, it can change your life forever. That one decision that David made changed his life forever. I want to let you know this morning that that one decision that you're wrestling with, whatever it may be, that one decision that the enemy is tempting you with, be careful which way you go. Be careful which decision you make, because it can change your life forever. Be careful. Tread lightly, because there's always a consequence, church. There's always a consequence. We're presented with choices. We make a decision. We think, oh, no, this, this decision won't hurt anyone else. Listen to me. There's always a consequence. My dad taught me, my brother and my sister growing up, he said, you don't live in a vacuum. He always used the illustration of when you drop a pebble in the water, what happens? Does the water stay calm? Absolutely not. There's a ripple effect. There is always a consequence, whether it be good or bad, right? Every, every choice that we have and every decision we make, there's a consequence. It might be good, right? So, so tomorrow morning when you wake up and you say, I'm going to go to work, awesome, because you know what the consequence is going to be? You're going to have a payday one day. How awesome is that? That's a good consequence. Or if you wake up tomorrow morning and you think, well, I'm tired. I stayed up too late binge watching Netflix. How about I just stay in bed? That's not a good decision because you know what's going to happen? You're probably going to be fired. And do you know what happens after that? You don't get that payday. So we're presented with a lot of choices, we're then we have to make a decision, and the decision leads to a consequence, whether we like it or not, good, bad, or somewhere in between, there's always a consequence. Regardless of the decision, there are consequences. 
And so David was presented with a choice. Do I choose her or do I go back to bed? Do I choose her or do I choose God? Do I choose sin or do I walk with God? Well, we know what decision he made, right? David decided to lay with her. And because of this, she was pregnant. And well, because she got pregnant, David brought her husband home back from the war and he tried to get him to lay with her to cover it up. But Uriah refused because he said, if my men are at war suffering, why should I be able to go home and lay? So he slept outside and he suffered too. And so what did David do? Well, David decided to put her husband on the front lines because he knew he was going to die. Church, one decision, one choice. He was at the fork in the road. Which way do I go? One decision. I want her now. One decision. I need that right now. Led to adultery, led to a we- uh, pregnancy out of wedlock, and led to murder. One decision. That decision you're wrestling with, you may think, oh, it won't affect anyone. You're wrong. You're wrong, church. One decision can make a life-changing impact. It can make a life-changing impact. And the story of King David and Bathsheba, it serves as a warning against the destructive tendencies of sin. Church, sin is a, it, it is a debilitating, destructive vice in our lives that will take us so far we can't even see straight. Many of us know the old saying, sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. One decision, church. One decision has got a consequence. One decision. And though this statement, we, it's very true, we end up putting the blame on sin, but the reality is the decision is ours. It's our decision. One of the, one of the things I despise when I, when, I, when I hear people talking, especially Christians, oh, I made a mistake. No. no I, I just made a mistake. Stop talking. No, you did not. You made a decision. You were presented with a choice, and you made a decision. You made the wrong one. Well, it's just a mistake. Nope. Got to live with the consequences now. It wasn't a mistake. It was a decision. It was a thoughtful decision that you made. Well, preacher, that's not very nice. It doesn't matter if it's nice or not. It's true. It's the decision that we made. David calling Bathsheba to his home, it wasn't an act. That wasn't a mistake. That wasn't an accident. He intentionally did it. Him laying with her and her getting pregnant, well, that wasn't an accident either. either. Stuff like that doesn't happen by accident. It's a choice that we have to make, guys. Her husband, her husband getting put on the front lines and being murdered, that wasn't an accident. David didn't accidentally or mistakenly say it. It was very intentional. He knew what he had to do to cover up his sin. He had to have him killed. That, that, that doesn't happen by accident, church. The sins in our life, it's not an accident. Oop, I stubbed my toe. That's an accident. Oop, I, I took that drink. I did that sin. I watched that on the internet. I laid with her. That's not a mistake. That's a choice whether we want to admit it or not. Preacher, that's uncomfortable. I don't care. It's my decision that I have to make, and I got to live with the consequences. One decision can lead to a life change forever. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 12, 13 and 14 says, Then David said, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. Church, there's the hope. There's the hope, guys. 
I know I get a little worked up about it, but the reality is there's always hope. Don't leave here. Man, the preacher, no, there's hope. It says the Lord has taken away your sin. You're not going to die. But because by doing this, you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. Church, the hope is God is faithful and just, and he will forgive us. Don't ever think that you're so far gone that God cannot bring you home. Church, listen to me. I have not found a Bible verse in, in, in our scripture that says you cannot come home. I have read where it says that there's grace abundance. God's love is abundant. It is there for every single one of us. You'd be like, well, preacher, I don't, you don't know what I've done. That's okay. You don't know what I've done. And I can, I can, I, my testimony is God brought me out of so much I could never have done it by myself. There is hope, church. He can bring you home, but we must also understand, well, there may still be earthly consequences. You cheat, your spouse may leave forever. You lie or steal, you may get fired. You murder, well, guess what? You're going to prison. There are earthly consequences. However, listen to me, there is still redemption and hope. Yeah, that one decision can lead to severe consequences, but don't let that, don't, because what the enemy wants to do is the enemy wants to whisper in your ear and say, you're so far gone, God can't bring you back. You're, so, you're too far gone. You, look at what you did. The enemy wants to whisper in your ear and say, no, you can't do, you can never come back. And God's sitting there saying, just like the, the story of the prodigal son, God's standing there with open arms saying, no, you can come home whenever you want. It don't matter what you did. It don't matter how bad you are. I'm here for you. You don't have to change before you come to me. You come to me and I will change you. That's what God is standing there saying. But the thing is, church, the decisions that we let, made lead to those consequences. But guess what? We can always make another decision and that is to come back to God. It doesn't end with that one bad decision. We just now have to make the right decision to come back. But here's the thing, church. If you sin and refuse to come back to God, well, the ultimate consequence is hell. But if you make the decision and act as David did and seek, seek redemption and forgiveness, listen, God will bring you home. He will not leave you astray. He'll bring you back. But check this out. The easiest way to stay out of this predicament is to make the right decision in the first place. But if you've made those bad decisions, don't think you're too far gone. God is standing there with open arms saying, come back to me. Let me transform you. Don't try to do it yourself. Because what I have found, if I try to do things in my own strength, and my own wisdom, I'm going to keep making one bad decision after another. But the more I rely on God, listen to me, I will be able to make the right decision and the consequence, if, if I make the decision within the, within the umbrella of God's protection, the consequence will then be for my benefit and not my despair. And so now as the, the praise band comes back up to lead us again, I want to encourage you this morning. I know, Pastor, right, this sermon's been a little, little rough. Look, church, I want you to leave encouraged this morning, okay? There is hope. And so let me encourage you by saying this. When you're facing a choice when you come to that fork in the road where you have to make a decision to go one way or the other, here's what I want you to do. Before you make that decision, I don't want you to be rash. I don't want you to just jump to it. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to sit down and weigh the options of the consequences. Look at the consequences. Look at both of them. And I want you to ask yourself this question. Will this decision lead me to the Lord or take me away from we're all, we are all faced with a choice. Every, every one of us, every day, we have, when we wake up the, the enemy, he is already at work. It don't matter how early you're awake, the enemy is already working. And he's going to present things to you that are so tempting 
But it is my deepest prayer that all of us will stop before we just jump into it, before we, before we say, that's the choice, that's the decision I'm going to make. No. It is my prayer that all of us will stop and think about the consequences before we decide. And all of us, before we ever decide anything, ask ourselves this. Will this decision lead me to the Lord? Or is it going to take me further away from Him? Is it going to take me to God? Or is it going to take me away? Ask yourself that before you make any decision, church. Stand to your feet with us one more time. Take my life and let it be all for you and for your glory. Take my life, let it be yours. Take my life and let it be all for you and for your glory. Take my life, let it be yours. With all the mess. Take my life and let it be all for you and for your glory. Take my life and let it be yours with nothing less. decisions, the enemy wants to tell you you're a bad person. No. Listen to me, you're a child of God. And anyone that's ever raised children know children make mistakes. Children make decisions. Church, we're his children. No matter what we do, his love will always be there. And God will always be there welcoming us home. So it's my prayer that all of us will make the decision to come home. To come back to God to hold on to him. And it's also my prayer that when we go to make that decision, we'll ask ourselves, is this going to bring me to God or take me away? Our Heavenly Father, Lord, you hear our hearts. And Lord, you know what every single person in this Sanctuary, everyone listening in, myself included, Lord, you know what our temptations are. And Lord, when we are faced with them, I ask you, Father, that you help us make the right decision, that you continue to help bring us home, and that you help, Lord, 
us to dive deeper into our relationships with you. Help us, Father. And Lord, I pray right now over my church family. Lord, take away the voice of the enemy telling them they're not good enough. Take away the voice of the enemy telling them that you don't love them. Instead, Lord, replace that voice with yours. Scream it in our ears, Father, that we are your children and we have been called to come to you. Remind us of that. And Lord, as we leave here this morning, I pray for traveling mercies. Help us all to make it home safely and help us all, Lord, to be the witness that you've called us to be. And it's in your glorious name that we pray. Everybody said it. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you. And I'll see you tonight at 630.